feel a whole lot like celebrating President John Adams, second president of the United States. This is kind of what he said when he said, uh, when they set up the early Independence Day celebrations. He says, Independence Day ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations, fireworks, from one end of the continent to the other, from this time forevermore, forward forevermore. You know, sometimes, y'all, we just don't feel like celebrating. Sometimes we just don't feel like partying. Sometimes we just don't feel like the fireworks. What do we do when we don't feel like it? What do we do when we, when we don't have it inside of us to, to, to celebrate? Now, the nation of Israel, I think they knew that. Uh, 400 years before Jesus died on the cross, uh, Israel had been taken captive. They had been POWs, if you will. They were taken from their country and, and brought to a place called Babylon. And they, were, they, were stay, they stayed there, not by their own will, but they stayed there for 70 years. And eventually, uh, they got to go back home. But when they went back home, it wasn't their ground anymore. It was a province of Persia. Um, they rebuilt the temple, but again, it wasn't on their ground anymore. And uh, when they came back, it's like, you know, we're free, but we're not real free. It's sort of like having a pool at your house. You know, it's a pool, but it's above ground pool, but it's a pool. Uh, you know, they were home, but it wasn't uh, exactly the way it was supposed to be. They began to question God. You know, God, if you're so great, why, why did you let the, uh, why'd you let the Babylonians clean our clock? And now we're back home with the Egyptians right next door. Remember that old Steelers real song, Clowns to the Left of Me? Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to my right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Uh, well, this is exactly what Israel was doing. We said, we got Persia over there, we got Egypt over here, and God, here we are stuck in the middle with you, and you're not really impressing us right now. You're not really impressing us. I mean, they began to struggle with their faith. They began to struggle with their identity in, in God. They, they, they thought about, you know, is it really worth even staying Jewish if this is the way things are going to go? And in the middle of that national discouragement, God uses the prophet by the name of Zechariah to speak a promise to them. And although they were struggling spiritually and there was a national funk going on, it's still a promise. God was saying, I'm not done with you guys. I haven't cut you off. I'm not right. I've not wiped your name off my heart. He said, I still love you. Chill. This is what he says in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 through 10. And y'all, when we read this text, boom, your mind's automatically going to go to Jesus riding on a donkey coming in Jerusalem. Well, this is a prophecy for the Messiah. Your mind's going to go to when he was on that fold, kind of walking in, and everybody is saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the, uh, blessed be the Son of David. And that's where you should go to. Because in Zechariah 9, God the Father is making a promise saying, uh, I'm going to work all this out. Be patient. The Bible says, rejoice greatly. This is Zechariah 9. If you need to open up your Bible or turn your Bible on or the words are up on the screen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and he's having, uh, and he's having salvation gentle and he's riding on a donkey, on a colt, uh, the foal of a donkey. I'll take away the chariots from me. From all that mess that you're dealing with, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to restore you. The battle axe will be broken. He will proclaim. The Messiah will proclaim. Uh, we know Him by Jesus. Jesus will proclaim peace to the nations. Israel will extend from sea to shining sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This Scripture is a promise. God spoke to Zechariah's people, Israel, God's own people, 400 years before Jesus showed up. And I believe the, I believe the same promises given to you and me God's telling us I'm not done I'm not finished be patient 
I've got this worked out. I've got it figured out. Don't lose hope. I think like many of the other prophecies, the Lord declared that this event as if it had already happened. In fact, if you read the, if you read the paragraph, it was like, well, he's talking about a, an event that's already happened. Well, when God gives a promise, he can speak in past tense because that's how sure he is he's going to keep his word. That's how sure he is that what he says is going to come to pass. Uh, when you're losing, have you noticed that, I'm sorry, have you noticed that when you're winning, nothing hurts? Man, if you're winning, you're snapping necks and cashing checks, everything's good in life. You can just roll with the changes. But man, if you're hurting and you're losing, everything hurts. I mean, it just hurts. If you're in a bad spot, it just seems like everything sticks to you. Well, when God gave the Jews this promise, they were losing. And everything hurt. Church, the world we live in is in a mess. The economy is in a sinkhole, and we, we might feel a little helpless. We might feel a little hopeless. We might feel a little down in the dauber. Um, maybe our, our, our home life isn't what it should be. Let's just kind of forget about the nation. What about our homes? Maybe our relationships are crunchy. Maybe we're, we're not getting along with our mom or our dad or somebody that we used to get along with, our kids, uh, because of the division. It's just kind of worldwide. It's not just uh, located in America, but there's this general angst and animosity and anger all over um, that was the promise that was given to them, and that's the promise that's given to us. Uh, maybe your home life's a little crunchy or, or weird. Y'all, this is the time that we focus on God. When it's difficult, when it's, when it's arduous, when it's, it's, it's tough to trust, or it's tough to have faith, it's time to have hope, that's when we double down. That's when we're reminded of the promises of God. And this is the promise Zechariah gave to the people, and this is the promise that God gives to you and me today. It may look like the world has us surrounded, but church, do not forget the words of that song. We are surrounded, but don't you worry about the world. We're surrounded by God. And he's taking care of us. Zechariah 9.12 says this. And he's talking to a place, he's talking to a nation that, man, they've been beat up. They're like us. He says, this is what he says. He says, y'all, return to your fortress. Go back home. Oh, prisoners of hope. Church, say prisoners of hope. That's a cool phrase. And we're going to unpack that. He said, you prisoners of hope. And typically when we think of prisoners, we think of somebody who's there against their own will. Or somebody, you know, you, 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 you can't go to the bathroom without permission. You can't get out of your cell without permission. Uh, in, in our culture, in our context, many of us have worked for Menard or for uh, DOC or, or, or uh, for uh, DHS. We understand this. Some of you work for the prison. Some of you work for the jails. All these things. We know what we're talking about because this is that type of community. This is where we work. Um, when we think of prisoners, it's never a good thing. This type of prisoner of hope is a good thing because when we think of prisoner, it means you're locked up and you only do what you're told. When we are told that we are prisoners of hope, we're being told this. He said, because hope guides your life. Hope is the authority of your life. Hope is what guides you. Hope is what leads you. Hope is what you have. It's not prisoners of despair, but we are prisoners of hope. And hope calls the shots. When we become prisoners of hope, we become a prisoner of hope as, as a choice, not of compulsion, not because we have to. We choose to be prisoners of hope. And this verse is really just a long line of verses uh, that talks about the coming Messiah. This is a verse that it's a, in a long line that talks about the coming of the Christ, the, the answer to all the problems, the one who's going to set everything right. And, uh, and it isn't bad at all to have hope. But if we're really prisoners of hope, then let's act like we have hope. 
Let's not be discouraged. Not, let's not act like, you know, the church is dead. Let's not act like people are no longer believing the Bible. Let's not act like that God, uh, God is no longer on the front page of people's minds. Because here's the thing, church. God has promised us everything is going to be okay. He's promised us that Jesus is returning. He's promised us that He will make all wrong right. He's promised us that He will restore. He's promised us that He'll never leave us, abandon us, or forsake us. And we say, well, Brother Mike, I don't feel that way. Hey, that's okay. You don't have to feel it because God says it's true whether you feel it or not. You're a prisoner of hope. So let's live like prisoners of hope. Let's make the world a better place. Let's serve the Lord until He comes back. Let's care about people until He returns. Let's act like we have this blessed hope until He returns. Before He comes back today, church, let's be prisoners of hope. We're trapped looking forward to when He's coming back. But we know that He's coming back. And maybe while we're waiting, we should do some uniting on our own. Bring people together. We're hostages of hope in a world that's lost sight of hope. People are angry. People are selfish. People are greedy. People are easily offended. People are easily scared and they're confused. Uh, Miss Pam and I can be at Walmart, Roasters, or wherever. And there's a couple of people that when they see us coming, Miss Schaefer, so help me God, God, God strike me dead if I'm wrong or if I'm lying. They will go down the other aisle as soon as they see us. So they don't have to be confronted by, by me no Miss Pam and me no Brother Mike. We live in a world that considers the gospel offensive. Christians, legalistic and judgmental and dogmatic. We live in a world, guys, that's upside down. And maybe, and maybe, just maybe, the church has been called into this time of the upside down in the world so we can be salt, so we can be light, so we can show people that what you're searching for, we've already found. What you're looking for, we already have. You are a prisoner of despair, we are a prisoner of hope. And you choose which cell you're in. Many times, y'all, we try to find our way back to God and we try to find our way back to peace because we don't feel like partying. We don't feel like celebrating. We don't feel much like God loves us. How do we find our way back? Now, lots of us, we go back to doing and don't. Don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, don't hang out with people who do. When we want to get back to God, somehow we think we've got to go back to the law. We've got to go back to making sure we're there every time the church door is open or making sure our tithe check is exact. Or we, we go back to making sure that we're going here and going there and saying this and doing that. We go back to the law. We go back to making sure we're doing the right things. I don't know if that's the right move. I don't know if that's the right move because... We're already prisoners of despair. We're already down in the dauber. Y'all, the, the laws never made me happy. The laws always made me frustrated. The laws always made me discouraged because the law always tells me how hairlipped I am, how wrong I am, how weak I am, how sinful I am, how selfish I am, how greedy I am, how angry I am. That's what the law shows me. So what in the world is me going back to the law going to do with me and God? The laws chains. The law is religion. The law is what held me in place. The law is what held me in a cell. So if I'm down and out and I don't feel much like worshiping God and I'm trying to check off the list, trying to get happy in the Spirit again, church, I want you to know it doesn't work very often. 
Because the law wasn't set up for that. The law wasn't set up for you and I to smile. The law was set up for us to be aware of our sinfulness. It's a war that's going on inside of us. Daggum, Paul fought the same war. Revelation, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 9. Paul tells us, he says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Y'all, doesn't that, just describe, doesn't that describe your life? I want to do good, but evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, in my inner man, I want to delight. I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. By the way, God's law is grace. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, not of hope, but a prisoner of what? The law of sin. All those laws in the Old Testament are there so you and I know that we're sinners. Let you and I know what brings dishonor to God and that we're guilty of it. What a wretched man or what a wretched person, what a, a wretched woman I am, if you will. We will, uh, who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Who will come and, and help me? Who's going to come and get me out of this funk? Who's going to come and get me out of this mess? I'll tell you, thanks be to God, who delivers me through, the deliverer has a name by the way, his name is Jesus. Deliver us through Jesus our Lord. Y'all, I'm going to read something. I don't quote Martin Luther a lot, but daggum, this is as sweet as, as honey. Luther dealt with this. Um, and the last sentence to me is killer diller. And if you want to take a picture up, up on the screen, you can do it. But I'm, I'm going to help you understand what he's saying. Luther's talking about the same war and battle uh, that was raging inside of Paul, the, the law and grace. This is what old Martin Luther he says. Does a more terrible evil exist than the unrest of a gnawing conscience? I need to get back to God. I need to get back to God. I'm a backslidden condition. I'm wandered away from Him. Indeed, none can believe what an effort is required again to comfort and raise up a despondent, fearful conscience. When we get away from God, there's something inside of us that it makes it hard to kind of get back because, hey, sin's fun. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. But sin's fun for a season, and then it turns around and bites you. What do we do when we wander away? But when your conscience is terrified by the what? And it wrestles with the judgment of God. Don't consult your reason, your mind. Don't consult the law. Luther's saying, don't go to the law. Say, yeah, don't go to the law. Listen to what he says. But rest upon grace alone and the word of consolation. Remember that you're saved by grace. Remember that it was the blood of Jesus that removed all of the sin that came by us breaking the law. Remember the grace and mercy of God. And this is the sentence that really freaks me out. Then act only as if you had never heard anything about the law of God. That's how much we're forgiven. All those things we beat up ourselves for. All of those things that we're ashamed of of our past. All of those things of the embarrassment of yesterday. Bad decisions, bad choices, bad relationships, bad marriages, bad jobs, bad times, bad finances, whatever it may be. Church, all of these things, all sin has been brought underneath the grace of God. And here's the thing. All those laws we've broken, don't worry about that because grace saves you. Not grace plus something else. It's the grace of Jesus plus nothing else. You don't have to worry about the law anymore because you're not underneath the law, the spirit of the law. You're under a spirit of grace. And here's the thing, if grace ever runs out, you're going to be lost. If grace ever stops, we're going to bust tail wide open. If grace ever stops, then heaven's not our home. If grace ever stops, none of us deserve glory. I know the law is real. 
I've broken it plenty. I know that's real. But have you ever felt the freedom that comes by knowing that you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus? And you didn't have to do anything to earn it. Hey, the only thing you did was be born and sinned. Whoo! I don't got to be good enough. I don't got to be righteous. I don't got to be holy. I don't got to be anything but broken. And God takes me in. Yes, it's, it's strange, but only when we become servants and prisoners, captives of Christ, baby, that's when you know freedom. That's when, when you are a, a prisoner of grace, you understand what freedom means. The big complaint of the early colonists, this fledgling country under the Revolutionary War, was taxation without representation. I'm getting money, but I ain't getting nothing back. And what was going on is over in England, they were taxing the fire out of the colonists, and the colonists wasn't getting anything in return. It, basically, exploitation. And, and, you know, in a lot of ways, we're still being exploit, uh, exploited uh, with, with taxes. Uh, this is what they went to war over. This is what they went to battle over. This is what blood was shed over. You put all these laws on us, but we don't get anything. You put all these laws on us, you're taxing the fire out of us, but we're not getting anything back. That's what they went to war over. Likewise, man, it's a taxing thing. It's a taxing thing to think, I've got to do everything right or I'm not going to feel like I'm loved by God. It's exhausting trying to keep yourself good so you think God will love you. It's, it'll wear you slap out. You know, maybe you said a cuss word. Maybe, maybe, maybe you cut somebody off and gave them the one finger wave. And as soon as you did it, you knew, man, I shouldn't have done that. That's my neighbor. <laughs> maybe you weren't good to your wife or your, sp- or your husband. And you think, man, I've got to do all these things right if God's going to love me. Cousin. That's a horrible way to live. Because you're always scared God's going to stop loving. You're always scared God's going to kick you out of the house. You're always scared that, you know, somehow God's going to say, yeah, you're too broke for me to fix. It's like we're, it's like God, we, we think God's going to say, oh, you're not worth my love. Or, you're, or God's going to say, oh, you're, you're, uh, you're too far out of reach. I can't reach you. Church, that's not grace. Grace tells all of us we're never too broke that God can't fix us. Grace tells us that we're never too far from Him that He can't reach out and get us. Grace tells us that all things have been brought underneath the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the colonists felt like they were taxed without representation. Church, we've been saved by the grace of God and it's the King of the universe that represents us before the throne of glory. The tax that was paid was on Calvary. You can measure it out by the unit of blood that Jesus shed. Church, there's a story about an escape from then-communist Poland by two shipbuilders. They couldn't get out. They... Hey, who's ever playing that music? Can you turn it down? I don't know who it is. Uh, I'm kind of serious. There was a uh, two people from Poland, in communist Poland, they're shipbuilders. They get on a ship to go to America. They'd never been there, but they knew that there was freedom there, and they knew that there was independence there, and they knew that there was... Uh, 
There was hope there. They didn't have any money to get on a ship, even though they were shipbuilders. So they got in this little bitty box, and they lived off three things, water, vitamins, and chocolate bars. About a two-week trip from Poland over here in that boat. They didn't see the sun for two weeks. They didn't get out of the box for two weeks. Cooner, you know what that had to smell like, and I think you know what I'm talking about. They're there in that box for two weeks. And when they, get to, uh, when they get to Ellis Island, they look out and they say, we had no idea how wonderful it would be to live in a free country. It's beyond our expectations. Even though they've never stepped foot on there, they know that there is freedom there. Now they know that they're going to miss their family and they know that they're, uh, they, they would love to be reunited with them. But when they got out of that box, it was beyond their expectations. Church. It is by God's grace that we continue to live in this country. It's by God's grace we continue to have the great freedom in this country. And by His grace alone, we wait with great celebration until we go to that country on the other side of the great divide. And i got a feeling that when we get there, we're going to say, this place is beyond my expectations. I didn't know freedom until I got here. I didn't know liberty until I got here. Church, we have no idea how awesome heaven is, but we know how awesome God is. And I got a feeling that if we've got celebration down here to celebrate our freedom as Americans, can you imagine the, the, uh, can you imagine the fireworks display heaven's God? You know what, praise God, I think He wants to do some fireworks in our own hearts. He wants to bring the party to us. He wants to bring the celebration to us. In that old film, Shawshank Redemption, Miss Pam and I have probably seen it too. I don't know, 20 times to be realistic. One of the characters on there, Morgan Freeman, was oh, uh, uh, Red. Red had been in jail for 40 years at Shawshank Prison for a violent act he did as a kid. Every year he would go up before the parole board uh, for his freedom, and they said, nope, we're not going to let you in. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're not going to give you uh, parole. So they rejected him every single time. Um, as he's going through all this, uh, he can't get free. And while he's in jail for 40 years, he can't even, he can't even use the restroom without permission. He can't get up uh, without permission. He can't go to bed without permission. He can't do anything without permission. And uh, imprisonment had become safe for O'Red. Uh, he didn't exercise his own, uh, he didn't exercise his own choices. He didn't exercise his own, uh, he didn't exercise his own uh, decisions he was locked in and what he called it he says it's an institutionalized life he said i've become institutionalized finally he gets paroled he returns through the security of the prison walls i'm sorry he gets paroled and when he's outside in the freedom he's scared to death when he gets outside in the freedom he sums up his dilemma in one line in the movie he says it's a terrible thing to live in fear church people caught up in legalism do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. People caught up in legalism are really no different than red. See, the law keeps us in offense, tells us what we can and what we can't do. The law keeps us in offense and tells us when we can go and where we can't go. And we get used to those laws. We get used to that fence. We get used to the religion. We get used to what that brings. And we get scared to death when we think about the freedom of grace. Because it's much easier to revert back to the cell of the law. It's much easier to go back to what we know in black and white, the do's and the don'ts. Because we think that somehow if we mess up over here, God's not going to love us over here. Man, that's a horrible place to live. 
It's a horrible place to live in fear that God's going to stop loving you or God's going to turn His back on you because you didn't do that or you did this. The do's and the don'ts, the black and white categories. Church, I'm going to tell you something, and if we've ever done this to you, I apologize. It's not the church's job to put you into a legalistic cell. It's not the church's, it's not my job to put you in a cell of legalism. It's the job of the church to help us make the right choices that bring glory to God. That's freedom. It's not for me to tell you or you to tell me how to act. We look in the Word of God and we let the glory of God and the grace of God take us through life. It's not this job of the church to set up those legalistic laws. We equip you to discern godly choices on your own. Y'all, it's the prison cell of legalism that keeps a lot of people from experiencing real life in Christ. It's hard to feel joy when you're in jail. It's hard to feel peace when you're in prison. Jesus put it like this, and I'm wrapping up. It is for freedom. Go ahead, Miss Pam. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, the law. I'm going to tell you one last story, and I'm done. D.L. Moody, he was talking to a man about Jesus and coming to him, coming to Jesus. And the man said, Pastor Moody, my heart's so cold, I don't even know if I believe in God. I've got so many chains around my heart, I can't hardly walk. My heart's hard, my heart's bitter. And I hear what you're saying, but preach, I, I just don't have the wherewithal in me to make that choice. I, don't, I, I can't do that. I can't go any further. And this is what D.L. Moody said, and I loved it. He said, you bring your chains with you when you come to Jesus. Let Him take them off. You don't have to come to Jesus free. You don't have to come to Jesus clean. You don't have to come to Jesus observing the law. You don't have to come to Jesus without any of the uncoverments of iniquity. You just come to Jesus. Let Him clean you. You come to Jesus, let Him take the chains off of you. You come to Jesus, a captive, and you'll leave free. Hey, you don't have to be good enough for Jesus to love you. You don't have to be good enough for the grace of God. Hey, if you were good enough, it means you deserve it. Name none of us in this room that deserve it. None. We serve a risen Savior that gives us freedom. Don't be scared of it. Don't go back to the cell of legalism. Live in the freedom of grace. As every eye is closed. Today, maybe God needs to break your chains. You can't break them on your own. You can't break them in your own strength or by your own willpower or by determination or, 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 or steadfastness. Your chains cannot be broken in your strength. Maybe it's a chain of addiction or anger. Maybe it's a, a, a chain of lust or, or, or a chain of deceit. Or maybe it's a, a chain of whatever. Don't think that you have to leave that chain before you can come to Jesus. Go ahead and bring that chain with you. Because praise God, Jesus is a chain breaker. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm going to ask you if you would to simply stand to your feet. Every bow, every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, I want you to think about the chains that you have in your life. You've gotten so used to them. Maybe they've been there for a very long time and you're just used to them. 
You're like old Red in Shawshank Jail. You've become institutionalized by the law. No wonder you're not happy. No wonder you're not content. No wonder you're not at peace. The law doesn't comfort. Grace does. The law doesn't show you the love of God. Grace does. Today, maybe you have a chain that you need to leave at the feet of Jesus. Today, maybe you have a chain that you just need to give it to Him and let Him take it off. In a moment, I'm going to release. I'm going to. In a moment, I'm going to open up the invitation. And this morning, if you'd like to come forward to pray, say, God, just take this away from me. I want to live in the freedom of grace. I want to live in the freedom. I want to live in the freedom of grace and the freedom of of who you are. I want to be a prisoner of hope. Lord God, I pray that you would bless this time of invitation. I pray that you would draw people to you, Father, who need to let chains fall down. They just need to bring the chains to you. come right now this is a public decision it's a what, what an incredible testimony God I meant what I was talking about I did it in front of a room full of a hundred people a hundred people Lord I'm just going to drop the chain anyone else anyone else you can just come up 10 seconds yes Y'all, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a second. But today, if you've got chains that you know you need to drop, chains that you're ashamed of, chains that you just wish that God would do something with, but you're so ashamed with them, but today you've got a new piece of information. You've got some fresh revelation today that says, Oh, okay, I don't got to break my own chains. He's going to break my chains for me. In a moment, I want to invite you to pray with me. So, dear God, I've got chains that I've been carrying too long. They're slowing me down. They're weighting me down. They're keeping me down. Jesus, today I bring myself and all my chains with me. Break every chain, Lord. Restore me. Let me experience and know your grace in a fresh way. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Man, if you said that prayer this morning, would you just lift your hand up and you can put them right back down. Thank you. Hands all over. Amen.
People are still praying. We're just going to let the, we're going to let the invitation roll out. Because God's not done talking. God's not done speaking. And maybe you need to come forward still. I won't keep you much longer. But I want to give you that opportunity. Would you come this morning? Just maybe in a real way. Just come to the altar and say, Okay, Lord, I drop it here. I'm going to leave it here. Would you come? Would you come? Okay. People are coming. People are coming. People are coming. God's taking care of business. And I'm not going to shut down the service when God's still talking to people. Two've left, two more came forward. Do you need to come? Do you need to get things right with God this morning before you leave here? Almighty God, we love you. We love the grace and mercy and forgiveness and liberty that you show through your son, Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, for the folks that you spoke to and they responded to you today. And Lord God, I am in agreement with every brother and sister in Christ who released chains today under the impression that you're the God of chain breaking. Father, we are prisoners of hope. And we don't want to escape. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. What a great God we serve. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.